0: The following message was recorded during the Friends of Israel 2011 National Prophecy Conference season. These meetings were held in Winona Lake, Indiana, and Lancaster, Pennsylvania. For more audio resources from the Friends of Israel, visit us at FOI.org. We want to get a grip on God's prophetic timetable. Uh, There are 14 million Jewish people on the planet. At least that's the number I'm giving to you. If you Googled it, there's all kinds of different numbers. So the number that I'm giving to you could be, and probably is, inaccurate. There's as low as 13.5, and I've heard as high as 16. But either way, the number's not that significant, as long as it's in the ballpark. What's important to know is there's not that many Jewish people on the planet, considering there's seven Billion people on the earth. There's about six million Jews in the Americas. That is, as you, not just the United States, can't all of the Americas, about six million or so. There's actually more Jewish people in Israel, in the country of Israel, than there are in the United States. That hasn't been that way. It's just been that way literally for less than two years. And just to, to give you an idea, at least a sketch of where Jewish people are located, about 6 million in America, is about 6 million in Asia, about 2 million in Europe, and about 100,000 in Africa. So there's roughly 14 million or so Jewish people. Again, that number, uh, we can't trust it as far as accuracy, but, but close enough. All said and done... Compared to the world's population, the Jewish people are but a speck. And what's interesting about that number, that percentage, is how important Israel and the Jewish people are in reference to how few they are. How can such an insignificant number of people be so high on the radar screen? I can tell you this, in Washington, D.C., it is the number one place for news people. Washington, D.C., number one place. It has more news people than any other place on the planet. Now, the United States fairly important country. Uh, some might even argue the number one country uh, in terms of importance. Well, the number two country, and located in Jerusalem, is Israel. And yet, there's so few people. So how's it possible that these are the people front and center in God's prophetic future? Israel is the centerpiece, and yet they are insignificant in their number. For those of you who have a Jewish friend, the very fact that they're here, that they exist, proves the authority of the Scripture, and they are front and center in God's program. An understanding of God's covenant relationship with the Jewish people makes it possible to understand our world situation today. I'd submit to you that what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes is foundational to all the other things we're going to talk about. And there'll be people mentioning covenant theology. I'm not going to be speaking about covenant theology, even though they stole the covenants from the Bible. When you study covenant theology... We believe a false teaching. We believe it's inaccurate. They take words or covenants that aren't found in the Bible. We're going to talk about covenants that are in the Bible. A biblical covenant's agreement is found in the Bible between God and his people, in which God makes certain promises. Covenants are cut, a Brit. A Brit Milah is the covenant of circumcision. Now, I realize I'm on a sensitive subject here, but bear with me. One of the most important things in every Jewish family, when a baby boy is born, eight days after the birth, it's celebration time. The family gets together. Oh, there's all kinds of food. Wonderful food. I only tell you, I was at my bris, obviously. Can't remember it. Thank God I can't remember it. But I do know this every time there's an eight day old baby Jewish male child, there's a party, a celebration. And yet, blood happens, there's a cutting, a covenant. A Brit is a cutting. Covenants are literal. That is, the covenants that God gives in the Bible are literal. The covenants are either conditional or unconditional. There's such a thing as a conditional covenant. We're going to look at four covenants, just four, specifically as they relate to the Jewish people, and they are unconditional. As a result of these covenants, the Bible presents the Jewish people as a special people. They are a loved people. I know that because that's what the Torah says. First five books are called the Torah. A loved people, a people possessed by God. They're God's chosen people. And I want to tell you, there are many Jewish people who will say, I wish he would have chosen somebody else. And when you understand the history of the Jewish people and where they've been throughout the world, you'd understand why they would say that. But God wanted the Jewish people to reveal His Word, and they've done that, by the way. The book you hold in your hand, the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. We can debate about certain books But without getting into the debate, out of the 66 books, it's safe to say 63 of them are Jewish. You can have three of them, and I'll let the scholars debate. But the point is, it's a Jewish book, and we were the ones to reveal God's Word. Therefore, be careful, it says in Deuteronomy 4, to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say... Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. You know, I don't know if you're aware, the Jewish people invented devotions. We invented them. If you're here and are struggling with devotions, as many Christians do, you can blame us. It's all right, we're blamed for everything else, so you can blame us. If you're blessed by your devotions... And you can thank God for the Jewish people. Remember, Daniel prayed three times. Didn't matter what law was passed. Didn't matter if his life was in danger. He was going to have his devotions. I can tell you that for observant Jews, first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is they'll get their phylacteries. They will recite the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They will recite it. They know it by heart. It is their daily Statement of faith back to God. We're to manifest his name. Isaiah chapter 43. This people I form for myself, they shall declare my praise. In Genesis chapter 12, in the first three verses, God calls Abraham to leave his country, to leave his kindred, to leave his father's house. Abraham was 75 years old. I'm looking out in the audience. Some of you are approaching Abraham's age. Some of you have seen it, and it's in your rearview mirror. Either way, 75 years old, person's been around a little while. They have roots. And in Genesis chapter 12, God spoke somehow to Abraham. We don't know how, but I do know this, that when God spoke to him by verse 4, Abraham was ready to go. That pass- those passages of Scripture have always caused me to think and meditate on them because I remember one of the hardest moves I had to make was with four teenagers. That's the reason I have this halo on the top of my head. I had four teenagers at the same time. And when we had to move, I was told more than once, God can call you, but he hasn't called us. So it was a hard move. And I know that the roots go deep into the ground. And I can tell you when I rented that Penske truck and started to drive, I knew where I was going. When God called Abraham, he said, I'll show you later. Abraham's a man of faith, but God spoke to him, and he left everything he knew to go to a place that God would show him. And Abraham obeyed. He did what God told him. And by doing that, God was going to provide a land for him. As a result of his faith, he left. He listened. God would show him a land and grant him a promise of a land. All the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants... Abraham is promoted as a result of that. God is the best marketer there is. So Muslims call him father. Jewish people call him father. Christians call him father. His name is great. As a result of his obedience, God would deliver on that promise. Nations and kings will come, according to Genesis 17 and verse 6, and your seed will be blessed. That would be personally for Abraham and spiritually as well. If you're here and know Christ as your Savior, you are like Abraham in terms of your faith. There is a divine program, blessings to those who bless and curses to those who curse, Blessings to the families there through Israel and through Israel's Messiah. I often say that God has blessed through the Jewish people. If you're here and know Christ, you're saved eternally. You're saved where you have a mansion ready for you in heaven. But it's quite possible that not only have the Jewish people been responsible for your salvation, they might have been responsible for you physically to be here. Maybe it was that Jewish doctor with the skill uh, who did surgery or the medicine that you take. God gave multiple promises uh, concerning uh, Abraham, the blessing, multiple blessing through that promise uh, to the Jewish people. So the covenant is literal. It happened at a literal time to a literal person, and it promised literal things. It's eternal. It's between me, that is God, and you, Abraham. It's everlasting. It's unconditional. I will establish, God said. It's it's not dependent on Abraham. And in fact, in Genesis chapter 15, something interesting happens. Abraham gets animals for a sacrifice, in those days, when you bought a house, land, or whatever, the two people who were doing the business walked together, dosey doing through pieces. Can you imagine buying your house? You know your mortgage. You know most of us, when we bought a house, we have all these papers. I still remember when first time I bought a house. I was scared like crazy, and all they said is, sign, don't worry, everything's fine, just keep signing. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. You bought your car, and you sign the finance, and if you fail to deliver on your end, the repo man comes and takes your car. In Abraham's day, when a commitment was made like that, you walked through the pieces, and if either one of you failed to deliver on your promise... Be so happened to you that happened to the animals that you're walking through. I don't know how many houses and cars we'd sell if we had to do it that way. Well, when Abraham cut the pieces to the sacrifice and had those birds there, God put Abraham to sleep and walked by himself through the pieces. That's significant because it meant that God was saying, I will deliver. I'm the one responsible, the only one responsible for these promises. It was sealed. Circumcision is so important in a Jewish family. It's a reminder of who we are. And it's a reminder of what happened in the Torah with Father Abraham. It's confirmed in Isaac. So the promises that went to Abraham are now confirmed in Genesis 17 in Isaac. Significant because Abraham had more than one son. And then they were confirmed in Jacob. Isaac had more than one son. And so the promises that went to Abraham go to Isaac, and then from Isaac to Jacob. And we read in the Torah, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the covenant promise, the unconditional promise, is passed down specifically by name. And in the New Testament, it tells us it's immutable. It doesn't change. Those promises stick, just as God is that way. Abraham was separated from the human race. God chose him, selected him. Abraham was selected for a covenant relationship. He was sealed with blood. Abraham, as a hundred-year-old man, circumcised himself, his son Ishmael, and then Isaac as well. And circumcision's been going on ever since. And so he was separated, selected, sealed. And his seed provides blessing, including redemption of the human race. In that covenant, that Abrahamic covenant where God selected Abraham, we see the promise of a land, a seed, and a blessing. The land promise is amplified in Deuteronomy chapter 30. It's confirmed in Ezekiel chapter 16. I will remember my covenant. Covenant is really important. It's spoken about throughout the Old Testament. It's God's covenant. He will deliver. His name is at stake. Then you shall know that I am the Lord its character guarantees israel's future as everlasting this is going to be significant throughout the week because we will be talking about israel its present state its future and there'll be those christians and you'll hear about them who believe that the church is israel that that the word israel really doesn't mean what it says and yet The Bible tells us that God's character is at stake. His name is at stake. And that these promises were passed from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, who had 12 sons, had his name changed to Israel. And those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. Its future is fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 25, a kingdom chapter, talking about how did you treat my people? When they were hungry and thirsty, literally hungry and literally thirsty, a real literal people, how did you treat them? Those are my special people. The Davidic covenant found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, it amplifies the seed promise of the Abrahamic covenant. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. God promises through King David and the promise given to him a house forever, physical descendants in a royal line, the Davidic throne, a literal throne, a seed forever. There would have to be David's greater son promising a seed and a throne forever, royal authority and the right to rule. These covenants, this specific one and the other ones, are all spoken about in theology today, and there's different church groups who adopt a theology based on how they interpret this. And so there's some local churches today that believe Jesus is sitting on David's throne right now in heaven. Well, you've got to be able to discern, is that possible? Is that true? Well, if you understand these to be literal and physical, then wait a minute. David's throne has to be on the earth. And so, respectfully, we would disagree with the church that holds to something like that. And it wouldn't be complicated Because we're talking about a throne from a person who was on the earth, who was a king. And there's certain promises given to him. A kingdom forever. So you say, well, wait. We're not in a kingdom now. There is no such thing as that kingdom. And I would agree. But you're going to hear messages later on this week that will talk about a kingdom. And a literal king, David's greater son, a future Kingdom. I have made a covenant with my chosen, Psalm 89 says. I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. I have sworn unto David I will establish forever. The character of the Davidic covenant, it's unconditional. It is physical, earthly, according to 2 Samuel. It's reaffirmed after Israel's disobedience in Isaiah chapter 9. By the way, a prophetic passage that helped me and many Jewish people come to know Jesus as the Messiah, the King, the future King on the earth. It's confirmed by an oath. In Psalm 89, verses 3 and 4, I've made a covenant with my chosen forever. I've sworn to my servant David, your seed is, I will establish forever. Our hope is for an earthly kingdom. There's need for a literal national state. In 1948, I'm sure there were Bible-believing Christians who were very excited. Some of you were alive at that time. And what you witnessed and saw firsthand was God's Word coming to life, a promise that was given, you were able to see realized. There's messianic expectation in something like that. If you were to go to Israel today, you would meet very observant Jewish people who believe we're on the cusp of the kingdom. The new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31. The provision of the new covenant is that the word is going to be in their heart, they will know God. This is given to Israel, it's different than the Mosaic covenant where the word and the law are something followed external. This is going to be internal. They will know God. They will be forgiven of sins. The house of Israel and the house of Judah is part of, party of that covenant. The, it benefits nations who will worship in Jerusalem. In the future kingdom, there will be ten Gentiles grabbing the skirt, the clothing of a Jewish person, and want to worship In a literal place, with a literal temple, with a literal kingdom, a king on a throne. One nation in the land, one king over them. Nations will know that I, the Lord, sanctify them, Israel. How many of us know that passage, and maybe even the song that might accompany it in Ezekiel chapter 37? When it talks about dry bones coming together, bone upon bone, and then flesh, I still remember after just back in the year 1977, uh, just two years old in Christ, coming to a Friends of Israel summer program in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And there in the library of the home that we stayed in were some commentaries dated Right around the 1900s. And commentators reading the passage, talking about the bones coming together, saying Israel's going to become a nation. Now, reading that in 1977, great. But to write that at the turn of the 20th century, when Israel was mostly a malaria-infested swampland, would be very difficult, easy to label such a person a wacko, no different than today when people take God at His Word. It's significant that more and more Christians are being marginalized as we take God's Word literally. It was then, and it is today. Today. The contrast of the New Covenant with the Mosaic Covenant, as we said, internal is not external in Jeremiah 31-32. The comprehensiveness of the New Covenant, they all shall know me. You know, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11 and verse 26 says, all Israel will be saved. There's never been a time in Israel's history, ever, where all Israel is saved. You know, there's a joke amongst us. You get two of us together, you get three opinions, and that's a conservative estimate. (laughs) To get more than a few Jewish people to agree on a particular topic is quite a feat. And if you begin to talk theology or politics in a room full of Jewish people, well, that's why the Yiddish word oive was invented. But I am telling you, there will be a day. Contrasted to Exodus chapter 32, when Moses came down from the mountain, Jewish people were sinning. And Moses asked this question to his own people who's on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? Man, after 10 plagues, splitting of the sea, certainly everybody's on the Lord's side, right? Wrong. One tribe out of 12. One tribe out of 12. The new covenant says there'll be a day when they all will know me. They all will believe. That is yet to happen. It's future. It's unconditional, it's by grace. Jeremiah 31 says God will accomplish it, it's everlasting. It's a renewing of the mind and the heart that God's going to give to his people. They're going to be restored to God's favor as a corporate people. Forgiveness of sins, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, material blessings, all given to God's chosen people. In order for these covenants to take effect, Israel must be a nation forever, there has to be a nation in order for God to accomplish His Word, and God has staked His name on it. So when the Bible gives prophecies, and you sit here throughout the week, Lord willing, and hear some of the things that the speakers are going to be talking about, they are going to be quoting God's Word and talking about a, either future day or how it's fulfilled already. God's name is at stake. And Israel must be a nation forever. They must have a land forever. All the things we see on TV about land and land for peace and giving away of land and all this, certainly by man, and we, we as American Christians look at Israel and we might even question what some of the leadership do or have done. I can tell you that we at Friends of Israel have our own opinions, individually and even corporately, as to what Israel should do. But we stand unconditionally with Israel as it relates to the promises that God has given to her. And so if the government does something that we might disagree with, okay, we stand with Israel. We might disagree, but we stand with Israel. I have had the privilege of going on a number of trips and Usually the question the guide gets the most is, why are you giving this land away? And I'll often stand up, and puts the guide in a bad position, and I'll say, how many of you have children? You know, people, grandchildren. How many times can your family take being hit, literally, where you lose loved ones in war? It's true that some decisions in Israel are made simply because of a hope, a little hope. How much blood can be spilled? And so I'm not telling you all, we always agree, but I am asking you here we are in America, mostly safe every day when our kids go off to school. We know they're coming back. It's not that way in Israel. They've got fences, they've got soldiers. They've got every day is a day they don't know what's going to happen. But God has given them promises, and those promises are literal, and they will have a land forever, and they will have a king forever, and he will be sitting on a throne forever. When that happens, it will happen when all Israel comes to know him. You know, prophecy is important to Friends of Israel. 1938, we became incorporated as the Friends of Israel Relief Society. Some pastors, businessmen, got together to try to help and minister to Jewish people who were hurting because of what was taking place in Germany. It's interesting. 1938, Friends of Israel there was no Israel. There was no Israel. The British were occupying that area, and before them, the Ottoman Turks had it. 1938, there was no Israel. But there were some men, Christian men, who believed prophecy. And so they wanted to get a leg up. Did they know it would be ten years later? No. But they knew it would be later, and they knew it would be a fact. And that's what Abraham did, too, walking by faith, believing God's Word. I trust that during this week, we will listen to God's Word. We will see God's Word. And like Abraham, step out in faith and believe and watch and see what God is going to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these promises, these cut promises, covenants that you made, that you guarantee. We've seen evidence of how these things are coming to fruition. We're amazed that every word is God-breathed and accurate 100%, 100% of the time. And Father, as we look at Israel as a barometer, help us to be encouraged in our faith as you give us promises that we can count on. In Jesus' name, amen.